You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Sweatshirt weather is certainly upon us. And one of the other really, you'd have to say staples now, right, of the early fall is that the Jets and Giants seasons are effectively over. Uh, I mean, even more so than when we change the clocks, we're talking about and having multiple conversations about changing coaches and changing GMs. It's it's just the way of the world. It's just the way of the world in uh, in 2020. And really, it's not just 2020. The last few years with the Jets and Giants. You know you are at uh, fall when we're talking about having issues already with uh, the Giants and Jets seasons effectively being over even before they really began. So, we, of course, we'll get into that. Happy Saturday. Maybe I should lead off with saying happy Saturday, everyone. Hope you're having a great time. Hope everybody's having a great week. And uh, we'll get into all of it over the next couple of hours. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, at Gordon Damer. Now, look, before you ask, Gordon, are we going to spend the entire two hours talking about the Jets and Jets? No, of course not. I'm not a sadist. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sick in the head. Well, at least not that sick in the head. Although people will ask me, Gordon, are you, how do you still talk about the Jets? Are you still talking about the Jets? And uh, I will always, of course, yes. They always give you stuff that you can't believe. You have to respond. I mean, have you seen them? Even by Jet standards. And this year, you'd have to say they've set a new standard. Even for the Jets. It is truly Amazing. You go in expecting the worst, and yet somehow they top even that. So we will look ahead to the Jets and Bills, whether you want to or not. And I would have to think at this point, for the rest of the season, the question surrounding the Jets is, will they win a game? But I would think for every single opponent of the Jets, the rest of the way is, we can't lose them. Like, if you end up being the team that loses to the Jets, wow. Wow, that, that's, pretty, that's a pretty bad mark on you. That should prevent you automatically from making the postseason. And the Bills, who have, you know, kind of hit the skids a little bit, right? A couple of losses in a row. Defense doesn't look as good as it was last year. Um, all of a sudden, the Josh Allen hype train is over, overturned on the cross Bronx. But then you have the uh, Giants, who at least can talk a good game, right? And uh, we will get into them and w- whether, again, whether we want to or not. And, and you remember, uh, did you ever see uh, Howard Stern's Private Parts movie where, where there's that scene where he has to give the weather and the time four, t- four times an hour? The state of the Jets and Giants, I am now legally required to say the name Trevor Lawrence four times an hour. Whether it makes any sense or not, I just have to drop it in. It's, it's a sports talk show staple now. We have to say Trevor Lawrence's name. I have a quota that I have to fill. But you know what? Let's start with something. Let's start with something other than the Jets or the Giants. Let's start with the Knicks. No, I'm kidding. Let's start with the uh, the baseball, the World Series, because that's something, right? Dodgers take Game Three last night, beat the Rays, and you know what? That kind of makes me. Uh, it kind of makes me happy. Now I was watching it last night. And I don't remember what happened, but at some point the Dodgers did something good, and I was like, "Yeah, all right, good, 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 good for you, Dodgers." My wife's like, "You're rooting for the Dodgers? I thought you were rooting for the Rays." I said, "That was the last series. Keep up, woman." She doesn't even know me. After all this time, she doesn't even know me. Uh, so the reason why I'm rooting for the Dodgers, it's not just that I'm rooting against the Rays. Watching the Dodgers 
and I think that this probably should be true of the Mets too now. Now that Steve Cohen looks like he only has about 325 more steps to go through before he officially becomes the owner. But watching the Dodgers, if you were a, a fan of a team in a major market, that's the team you probably should be kind of pulling for, right? Dodgers are this big market juggernaut. They've got star power in the lineup. They got the payroll. They got the farm system. They got the pitching staff, best offense in baseball. Maybe one of the smartest front offices in the sport, led by Andrew Friedman. And now they're up two games to one in the World Series. Third time in four years that they're in the World Series. This after going 32 years. 1988. That's the last time they won the World Series. Could you imagine if the Yankees went 32 years? It would be 2041. How old would you be in 2041? You'd be old. Think Sitting here right now and thinking about 21 years in the future, you think of yourself at that, wow, I'd be that old? Now, if the Mets went that long, they would have won the World Series in 2018. So that's probably a bad example. But whoever wins the World Series, I think if you're a fan of the sport, I think it's normal to look at that team as a blueprint, right? Like, how does my team, can my team replicate what that team does? And when the Mets, when Steve Cohen, again, finally takes over, I think that the Mets will join the, the modern age and kind of also join, all of a sudden we'll realize, hey, you know what? The Mets are in a major market as well. They should be spending like everybody else. So I think the blueprint for the, for the Dodgers is much more repeatable for the Yankees than the Rays, right? Like the Rays do an amazing job, and who knows? It's only 2-1. The Rays could certainly come back and, and win, although I do think that that Game 3 loss, they were kind of drawn up with Morton going in Game 3. That was a big game. I think it was a bigger game for them than it was the Dodgers, but that's another story for another time. But nobody wants to follow the Rays' blueprint. The Rays probably don't even want, even though it's been super successful, I don't think that any team, and the Yankees certainly would not, uh, ever be a team that would be you know replicating that kind of blueprint which is it's great and it's successful all the flexibility all these guys out of the bullpen you know guys that can you know alternate second base shortstop third all that great flexibility but the Dodgers you know they got the star power they find value in guys other organizations don't Justin Turner the big game last night home run right off the bat uh, brought up Max Muncie during the week was released by the A's and, and last night, you know, Walker Bueller is just sensational, just dominating. And a guy who is, at, at this point, really a playoff stud. Now, he doesn't go as deep into games as guys did in years past, but now 11 starts in the postseason. He's thrown 61 innings in the postseason in his young career. He's given up 39 hits and has struck out 83 guys. Uh, that's a playoff stud. So you got the great pitching. You had the home runs last night. And you had a sack bunt. Oh, my God. The, the baseball dinosaur. Oh, they love this. See? You have to be able to bunt in the world. Meanwhile, the Dodgers are hitting home runs every other pitch. Can't hit home runs in the postseason, but you got to be able to bunt. I, I feel like they were just doing that just to troll. But I'm pretty sure John Smoltz was like that old uh, the littering PSA when you were a kid on Channel 11. The guy, had, the Native American guy had one tear. Streaming down his cheek. I think that when they had that sacrifice bunt, John Smoltz had a, a single tear rolled down his cheeks. And oh, yeah, the Dodgers just helped him to have uh, Mookie Betts. I mean, how good is Mookie Betts? He is clearly going to be, I mean, 
again, it's 2-1 Dodgers. It's not 3-1. It's not over. But it certainly feels like Mookie Betts is going to be the World Series MVP. And that guy can really do – and he is doing everything. I mean, he's not just a sensational offensive player, but you've seen in this World Series is one of the best base runners, one of the best base stealers. You know, the reason why the analytic crowd don't really like base stealing is because the risk does not necessarily match the reward. Just because you have a whole lot of stolen bases, that means you probably have gotten thrown out a bunch of times. Take a look at Mookie Betts. I mean, he never really gets thrown out stealing bases. He is one of the best base stealers and best base runners that the game has. And, oh, yeah, he's also you know, a gold glove outfielder with a great arm. So, uh, And I guess as a Yankee fan who's looking to um, find reasons to feel good about myself, the fact that the Red Sox got rid of that guy, the guy that they had in their organization, 27-year-old superstar who you'd have to say at this point, if he, he's not Mike Trout, but he, he's not far behind. He's not far behind and really can do absolutely everything in a baseball game, except pitch. He has not pitched so far as, so far as I know. So that kind of makes me feel better, too. So that's why I, like to, I want the Dodgers to win. You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. I think the best part about Week 7 on the Sunday is that now we have one of the time slots free with the Giants out of the way. Any weekend where we don't have to follow either the Jets with the Giants or the Giants with the Jets, that's a win. That's a win for your eyeballs. That's a win for your entertainment portion of your brain. It's just a win. Now, speaking of things that don't win, that would be the Giants. And I think that now we have entered the time of the week where it's fair that you can rationalize. Losing that game is probably the best thing. Like, when your team is awful, the worst thing about that is knowing that you got to sit through the whole year knowing the people that are in charge are not the right people. Knowing that nothing is going to change until they do. And I think at this point, we all kind of know that Dave Gettleman is not the right guy. Now, nothing's going to happen as of yet, but that's the real tough part of it. But the other side of it, which is the flip, like you can know this team is going no place, nothing good is going to change until that changes. But the problem with that is when you're a fan, at least for me, maybe you're different, but when you're a fan, you can't sit and actually watch the game and be rooting against your team. So it's like this weird thing where you know that the team is going nowhere, but when that four hours, that three and a half hours when you're watching the game, it's a torturous process that we do to ourselves, but it is what it is. So Thursday, it was not Haley's Comet, but it was like when they discover a new animal, like an albino, uh, albino alligator or a three-headed snake or a cyclops fish, the Giants had an actual meaningful game in the month of October. I know it sounds laughable, but the Giants, if they had won that game on Thursday, just by the math of it, they were in it. The winner of the NFC East this year is almost certainly going to be decided by how the teams in the NFC East play each other. Forget about how they play other people. It's how they play each other. And coming off a win, even if it was by one point against Washington, and then if they had been able to hold on to beat the Eagles, and you took Dallas right down to the wire, you could have made the argument that you were in the division. The NFC East is the division you can't play your way out of even if you want to. 
Even now, Washington beats Dallas this week. They, I, they're right there. And heading into this game, Washington has lost five straight games and has one of the worst point differentials in the entire sport. So you could have presented a case that during that game, when you're watching the Giants go up by 11 points in the fourth quarter, well, you know, we had a bunch of close losses. You, you, you allow yourself to get roped in. We've had close losses against good teams. This is going to be another win. Hey, you know what? Why not us? And then at the end of the game, you're sitting there saying, why us? Why, why, why are we the team that is sitting here like this? Because Thursday was another close game, but that one doesn't qualify with the close, the close losses that you're willing to give the moral victory because you melted down, right? All the mistakes in that fourth quarter, starting with Evan Ingram dropping another ball. You keep seeing with the trade deadline coming up, you know, can the Giants move Evan Ingram for something? I think Giant fans would like to move him by shooting him directly into the sun. I don't think the sun has any draft picks coming back the other way, but the mistakes by first him and then the, the penalties down the stretch. Oh, my goodness. Thursday night. Woof. You know, Saturday mornings, it's for the best. Because the last thing you need is some fool's gold type of progress to delude yourself or delude ownership into thinking, you know what, maybe this isn't as bad as we think. Maybe this isn't as bad as people are presenting. You know who did that last year? The Jets. The Jets had those wins. They were sitting at 1-7, and and what was everybody saying? Get the coach out of here. There's no way this can be the guy that you're going to have that, that turns things around. And then they won a bunch of meaningless games down the stretch and deluded themselves into thinking, you know what, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe, you know, you can't change coaches every single year and expect to be successful. So I think Saturday mornings, it's fine to say it's for the best, but Thursday night, you can't say that. So, and again, Thursday night was not on Daniel Jones. I know that that is kind of like the the punching bag and the low-hanging fruit that everybody goes to. And that's not to say that Daniel Jones was, was, was blameless. I don't think so. But there are many other culprits. Ingram. The guys on defense with the penalties and guys who have played well this year, right? Bradbury's been fantastic, but he had a penalty. Logan Ryan, um, who uh, Ryan Lewis had, I think, and he was he the illegal contact. You had the guy headbutting uh, was it Harper headbutting the receiver after he cut the touchdown. Now that one didn't cost him because they didn't get the two point, but still, too many mistakes. Now to get to the quarterback, because you're legally obligated to do that. Daniel Jones. I mean, at this point, it's. It's kind of laughable that he's, he's not getting better. I, the, the, the optimism that you had, at least for me, about Daniel Jones when you came into this year was you figure, hey, his weakness is so glaring, right? It's turnovers. It's protecting the football. You think that because a weakness is glaring, it would be easier to fix. It's not all these things. It's this one thing. Well, it has not been easy to fix. He is a football ATM, and ATM means a turnover machine. NFL linemen are like Arthur Fonzarelli. They hit the side of the, the soda machine and boop, the soda comes. That's what you do. You hit Daniel Jones on the side, boop, the football comes out. I think that's the second week in a row I've had an Arthur Fonzarelli reference. You don't get that with other shows, do you? But the fumble, that was just salt in the wound. That was not the wound. The wound was all the mistakes that you made over that final six and a half minutes and cost you the game. But the quarterback, that's a conversation we'll continue to have The reason why we can't have it as well-defined as the Jets conversation is because the Jets situation is pretty well-defined. After this year, 
the Jets are going to have the first overall pick. And almost certainly, for all the talk that you know, Trevor Lawrence should go back to school, it certainly seems like Trevor Lawrence is going to be available in the draft. That seems pretty well-defined as we sit here on Saturday, October 24th. The Giants, they're a bad team and are not going to all of a sudden start to win games, I don't think. And, and, and even if you can't play your way out of the NFC East, they're not going to do anything to play themselves back into the NFC East either. So, but the problem for them is there's a bunch of bad teams that are kind of on the same level of bad as they are. The Jets, they've found like hyperdrive when it comes to bad. Like there are a ton of bad teams and then there's the Jets. Like it's almost unfair to say the Jets are number 32. You should have to move them down to like 34, even though there are not 34 NFL franchises. That's how much they have separated themselves from everybody else. So the fumble, yeah, he had another turnover, which I didn't really think was all his fault. But it's amazing, you know, for the Giants, it feels like you're nowhere, right? I mean, they never win games. It's not even like you have that to keep you occupied. And this, after having the second pick in the draft, the sixth pick in the draft, the fourth pick in the draft, the last three years, you would figure, okay, well, you know, we're not a good team, but we got all this talent. They're not even that talented. They're not even that talented. So it's, it's really kind of, it's tough. It really is. You know, what, what, what do you have to show for it after this season? After having all those high picks, you got Saquon, who's talented, but not, I mean, it was, it was clear then that was not what the Giants needed. And uh, it, it, is not, it has not impacted winning in any way. But that's the one, you know, of the first round picks, that's the one good pick you'd have to say. And that guy's out for the season. That's the good pick. You got Jones who if anyone can tell you they know what he is, I think that they're lying. I really do. I think that they're lying. I don't think that he, at this point, is going to be able to fix the, um, the, the turnover problems. But at least that's something. I mean, if, if he ever did, then maybe you could make a fair assessment. And then you got Andrew Thomas, who has been a disaster, an absolute disaster. Think of it. You know, the Giants' offensive line has stunk for so long. And yet he's so bad, he's the guy you point to. They got five guys, but he's the guy you point to. It's like being the guy who gets kicked out of Guns N' Roses for partying too much, right? Like the, the whole offensive line is bad, but there's one guy who takes it to a whole nother level and at least through, what, seven games, that's been Andrew Thomas. He's been brutal, absolutely brutal. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's get some uh, phone calls in, shall we? Let's do that. All right, let's go to uh, Danny is in center point. Danny, you're up uh, first on ESPN New York. What's going on, man? Hey, Gordon, how are you? I'm good, man. What's up? Uh, just, I just wanted to uh, get something started before I get into my beloved Jets, who, you know, by the way, I, I'm a 40-year season ticket holder, so I, I could talk to you for the next hour of the hard time I've been through, but... Um, you know, in the mornings I listen to you on the weekdays, and I want to get something something clear on your on your regal tumble. If if the odd couple is not in that mix, I'm going to be devastated. I'm not oh. going to vote, but if the odd if the odd couple is not in that mix, I'm going to have a hard time following along on that on that regal tumble. Just get Danny, it out there. All I can say, like we well, we have this contest to find the greatest TV show of all time in the morning, and it's uh, it's uh, the Royal Rumble format from the WWE, where every day. A new show enters, yep. and then the lowest vote total gets thrown over the top rope. But the field uh, is kept secret. It's secretly kept. Only I know right. the exact number. <laughs> I will just have to say to you, Danny, keep listening. That's all I can tell you. I don't know all whether right. the odd couple. I can't uh, tell you that the odd couple is going to show up, 
But if you keep listening, right. then we then we can discuss it. All right. All right. Well, as a guy close to my age, uh, I'm hoping you appreciate. Uh, I can tell by your humor. I'm I'm assuming you 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 very well might be an odd couple fan. But if you're not, uh, it is what it is. But anyway, listen, the Jets. Um, as I said, I, I've been through it all, Gordon. There is no way in God's given earth that they are going to get this right. I don't care if they're 0-16, unless, we, like you've, you've talked about, if they do not get a leader in place, if Joe Douglas does not wipe everybody out and go get himself a proven coach that can go at least sit down and talk with, with Trevor Lawrence, there is no way that they, are, A, are going to get this kid or, B, going to make this work right because it's just the history of this team and it's just incredible. So to me, I would give whatever it takes, pay whoever it is to come here and coach this team properly and have a, have a presence in the locker room where the, where the players can actually believe in. Because if it doesn't happen, there's no way they're going to get this kid and there's no way they're going to pull this off right. I feel positive. With Joe Douglas, um, I feel like we, we, we might have gotten it right with this guy, but if he doesn't step up and go get a proven winner and a proven man that knows what he's doing to control a team, there's no way that they're going to get this right. It, it, it's sickening because that's the way I feel as a fan. I have no choice. But to think that we could land this, you know, what they say, once in a 20-year quarterback or once in a 10-year quarterback, I have to be delusional to think that they can pull this off properly. But maybe they can. If the, if the, GM, is, if the GM is legit, then, then he's going to prove it by going to get somebody. I don't, I, we can't have a college coach. I can't go through another person on our dime, on a learning curve with our organization. Sean Payton, go get somebody that knows what they're doing. It's all right, Danny, your, your phone is cutting out a little bit. Uh, look, uh, th- here's the thing about Trevor Lawrence, and I, I think it's kind of gotten misconstrued here uh, along the way. I know Keyshawn Johnson was, was somebody who was talking about it uh, during uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin during the morning. At no, for no, uh, We take calls all the time, and, and, and people, I mean, I, I joked about it, about Trevor Lawrence, how much time we spend talking about this guy. No one anywhere has floated the idea that Trevor Lawrence is going to come in and fix the Jets. Right. Like no, nobody actually believes that it's just simply that that's the silver lining of living through this season. So I think it's pretty clear cut what the Jets are going to be looking at. I can't envision a scenario where the Jets don't have the number one pick. Maybe they do win a game, but if they win a game, that's all they're going to win. Take a look at their schedule. Take a look at how they play. They're not even competitive In most of the games outside of the Broncos game this year, the Jets have given up more points in the first half than they've scored in the game. And I was allowed to keep that stat, that fact, from last week because this past week they scored zero points. So I didn't even have to, I didn't even have to fact check it. I knew that it was true. So look, I understand where, where, where he's coming from because it does feel like this is the lowest point, even more so than Kotite. When Kotite was coaching and he was terrible, I, I remember those days. I remember the, the, the sense was that the team had more talent than they were, they were playing with, right? Like the, the way they performed was not up to the talent that they had. Not that they were, you know, stockpiled with talent, but they had some guys. This The Jets will go this year. This will be the 10th straight year that they will miss the playoffs. And there's a very good chance 
that after this season, the Jets have the longest playoff drought in the NFL. The only two teams that are longer are the Browns, 17 years, and the Buccaneers at 12. And it certainly seem like there's, well, certainly the Bucs, probably the Browns, maybe not. The Jets have never been further away from the playoffs. I mean, in terms of, I mean, they don't need just one thing. They need everything. The shopping list is everything. It's every aisle. It's every product. So they have a lot of work to do. I don't know what direction they're going to go in in terms of head coach after this year. But I think you'd have to say, I, I know this is, is this is risking it. It can't get any worse. I mean, they're going to go this year without winning a single game. And I guess the Bronco game they were competitive in. But that's about the only one. That's the only game that you thought they had a chance once the game started. I thought going into last week, you know, the Dolphins, not a great team. The Jets would have at least a chance. Well, they held it close. And then they played the national anthem and they started the game. And then it, was, it kind of went kind of went downhill 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number Dave is in Jersey City Dave what's going on man good morning I just want to say I, I like Daniel Jones I think he just got to be able to play up to the level of being an NFL quarterback stick with him one thing the Giants I like are you a Giant also. fan Dave yes I'm a Giants okay. fan and, right. and, and Giant fans is a Super Bowl team and we got to have that same concept in that locker room so the coach should look at all his players every week and give out pink slips if they're not playing what they call football. If they're not banging and hitting hard, then they can go home. They but actually I like they, they actually handed Evan Ingram a pink slip and he dropped it. Yeah, we uh, need to he, give he out pink it, slips. They're right not playing football pink slips. Say it again, sorry. So if they're not playing football, give out the pink slips. Well, look, I like I mean, Danny uh, Jones. Yeah, uh, look, Daniel Jones, he has until the end. Uh, to me, he has until the end of this year, right? Like nobody is saying that you you bench him for anything. Play him, right? I mean, obviously, nobody nobody's making that argument. He has the the last 9 games this season and and, and you see where you are at the end of those games and you know, he didn't have the full season last year, came in in game 3, so it's not a two full two seasons. But, you know, with, with every quarterback that is taken high up in the draft, there are ways that you can delude yourself into thinking, hey, maybe this guy, you know, we just have to do this, we just have to do that. If we get to the end of this season and it's the, the exact same thing that we have seen from Daniel Jones last year and this year in terms of the turn. Now, Thursday was not on him. I don't put him as the, the main culprit for, for why things went wrong. But you can't have a quarterback that continually turns the ball over. And he is as consistent at that than almost anything in the NFL outside of the Jets losing. I mean, that's the only... Daniel Jones at least had one game where he didn't turn the ball over. The Jets this year have not had any games where they have not lost. So uh, in terms of consistency, he has that going for him. And again, I, I was optimistic about Jones coming into this year. I thought... You know, off of some of the performances last year, let's see where he goes in year two, and let's see if this easily identifiable issue is actually corrected. It has not been corrected so far. In fact, it's there every single week. And again, the fumble this week, it was just the salt in the water. It was like Tommy Boy when uh, Chris Farley sits down on the bench, and uh, I, I, I really didn't need that. It was You didn't really need that, but it's there, and it's there every single week. So... It's tough to take, it's, at least in New York. You have to mention the name Trevor Lawrence four times an hour. There is a quota that you must say that name four times an hour.
So uh, we, I think we said it four, at least four times in the first hour. I've said it now twice. Trevor Lawrence, three times. So we'll see if we can match the quota here in hour number two. one 800 espn is the phone number. And let's get a little bit into the Jets because they face off against the Bills on Sunday. And our coverage starts at 11 o'clock. And, and usually when you look ahead to football games, you look at the matchups, right? Can, can this team's quarterback exploit the weakness in this team's defense? Can the running game establish itself, especially early on? Who's going to win the turnover battle? This matchup, that matchup. At this point for the New York Jets, I think the goal on Sunday is just to be regular bad. Don't be worse than you. Don't do what you've been doing this entire season. Don't make a play that we have never really seen before. Like, don't have another play where the quarterback takes a sack for 28 yards. Or don't have an illegal motion on the quarterback. I mean, at this point, the Jets are like this Rube Goldberg machine of football ineptitude. Every single week, there's something... I said this before, and it's completely true. Even at 0-6, the 2020 Jets, you have to see it to believe it. 0-6 does not do it justice. Now, I think the one thing, and with the Giants, you know, it's kind of hard to have conversations about the end of the year when I do think, even though they don't ever really win many games, they won one, and they've done that by one point, I feel like there's more, um, it's a little bit more ambiguous where they will end up, right? Like there's a bunch of bad teams. The Giants might be the worst of those bad teams. They might be kind of middle of the pack. It'll depend. The Jets, they have made it clear they will be the worst team in football this year. They've been the worst team in football this year. Whether or not they win a a single game is, is very much going to be up in the air. I think, though, the one thing that you can say after last week's performance is I would say under no set of circumstances should the Jets fire Adam Gase until they have the number one pick locked up. After the performance on Sunday against the Dolphins, you went into Monday. I know I did. Repeatedly checking Twitter to see just, you know, did it happen? Is it going to happen today? Is it? It certainly felt like the, the change could come at any point. I think the only thing at this point that could change the, the direction of the Jets this year is a coaching change. Now, I'm not saying that it definitely would. I'm not saying that it probably would, but it might. And there are no ifs if you keep him. If you keep him, you will be the worst team. So under no set of circumstances should the Jets fire Adam Gase. Now, that's not going to be as easy as you think because the Jets, just look at this season. They have been mocked. Every step of the way, they will continue to be mocked. They will be a punchline. Anytime an NFL segment comes up on any show, TV, radio, in print, whatever, the people will say, how does this guy still have a job? So every show that talks about the NFL will make jokes at the Jets' expense. And for an owner, that level of embarrassment to be associated with is tough for owners to take. They're rich, powerful guys. And at some point, they might snap. They might just say, you know what? But they've got to fight that urge. You have to take, you have to do not make any change. Stay the course. It's the only thing left to play for this year. The Jets need the number one pick more than any other team. More than any, it might be the only thing that makes the job attractive. They don't have a whole lot of talent. They've not had a whole lot of success. There's not a whole lot of expectation. But if you came in and you knew when you walked in the door, like, Last year, there were not that many coaching changes in the NFL, so it certainly seems like there's going to be a bunch this year. Think if you were a prospective head coach and you had some options. 
under any set of circumstances, if you had options, would you take the Jets job if they didn't have the number one pick? If they didn't have the number, if they were picking third in the draft, would you say, you know what, that's a really appealing job I'm going to take? If you had the Texans or the Jets, which one would you take? The Vikings, if the Vikings got rid of, of Mike Zimmer, or the Jets, or the Chargers, or the Falcons, or any of these other jobs that, that might open up. I, I don't even think it's close. I think the Jets need, more so than any other team, they need to have that number one pick. Absolutely. And it's strange because this week, I actually agreed with something a Jets coach said. Now, it was not Adam Gase. It was not Greg Williams. It was actually the offensive coordinator, Dow Loggins, who said that uh, he was asked something about Sam Darnold. And he said, Sam's the least of our problems. I don't know if he's the least of your problems, but there are far bigger problems than him. I will agree with that. And coaching, that's a way bigger problem. It took to week seven, but I found something that I agree with a coach on the New York Jets about. And it is that the coaching, by all measures, is horrible. And you'd have to say, see, this is the problem if you change coaches. Another thing that's been pretty well established, when people, when players move on from Adam Gase, they, it seems like, against all odds, they have all these things that they, they all of a sudden become far better players. I mean, the list of players, even in a short period of time, that have become better players as a result of moving on from Adam Gase is incredible. I mean, Ryan Tannehill, since he, became the, since he left Gase and became the starter in Tennessee, he has outperformed Patrick Mahomes. This is not just, you know, a little bit on the margins. This is leaps and bounds better than he was as a player. Robbie Anderson, this year, year one away from, from the Jets and Adam Gase, is on pace to have 100 catches and 1,500 yards. And it's not like, well, you know, it's been a few years. He had to kind of relearn, you know, this thing. Or, no, immediately, new situation, new court, boom. 1,500 yards he's on pace for. It's inc- and the list just goes on and on and on. So to me, I would not make any change to the head coach whatsoever at, at, until I have that number one pick locked up. And once I have that locked up, that's fine. Then you can make the change. But until then, I'm not taking any chances. You have to – this cannot just be another bad season in a list of bad seasons. This has to be it. This has to be rock bottom, not taking any more chances or anything like that. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, we'll go to Joel is in Rutherford. Joel, you're next up on ESPN New York. Morning, G. I love the show. Let me let me wardeer myself completely. I'm going to hit every spot you want. Let me give you the four Trevors first. Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence. So we covered Boom, the Boom, we have reached our quota for this hour. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> I listen every Saturday faithfully. You're a good dude. I have a problem with a couple of things. We just got done talking about how Saban is 22-0 against good coaches that he taught the game to. Let's keep that thought right up front, okay? okay. Then we're talking about Michael Kane. We're talking about guys on the radio. I, first of all, I'm a big company man. I'm a, I'm a Skipper fan. I'm a George fan. I'm a big ESPN fan. So guys that don't never play the game don't, and never had looked through their ear hole in their helmet, people who listen to me understand what I'm saying, never really can't comment on the game like guys that play the game. I played the game my whole life. Clemson can beat the Jets. Just let's start with the coaching. You just hit on it. You're going to tell me Dabo Sweeney's going to get out coached by Case? Then people come back and tell me, oh, but they're bigger and stronger and faster. Where are they getting the guys from? Alabama, Clemson, and LSU put 34 guys in the NFL last year. Let's not talk about this LSU's 14. Let's talk about 34 guys, drafted or undrafted, came out of those three schools. They can kill the Jets. 
on any given day. Well, here, here's the one thing, Joel, and I would agree if you could some, and this is just a thought experiment, honestly, but uh, if you could somehow make it that the Jets didn't know they were playing against, I do think that there is a human element that guys would be extra motivated, right? They're not going to be the team that loses to a college team. If you could somehow remove that, I don't know how you would do that, make them think that they're just playing another NFL team and they bring the same effort that they're bringing. I mean, the Jets have not even been competitive any, in any of these games. Now, I would not say that Clemson would beat the Jets every single time, but I would agree with you. The Jets wouldn't beat Clemson every single time either. I don't know how many times you're playing. Ten times? Uh, Clemson's not beating, uh, Jets are not beating Clemson ten times in a row. Well, if they didn't know Dabble that they were playing a bunch of college guys. You think Pablo Sweeney's going to get on the field and get beat by Adam Case? Again, he would be working at a, a talent disadvantage. Uh, even with the great players that he has, not every single guy that he has on his team is going to play in the NFL, and very few of them are going to be stars in the NFL. So, uh, look, I, I, it, it is one of those things that it, people will say, oh, that will never happen, could never possibly happen. Have you watched the Jets this year? Have you watched the Jets this year? It's that bad. It's... It, Again, I'm just, it's a new standard for the Jets setting a new standard, which the standard was already pretty low. It's pretty low to begin with. And now it's a whole, and we all kind of agree it's a new standard of bad. Let's go out to Ira in Staten Island. Ira, what's going on, my man? Hey, good morning, Gordon. How are you? So, what do you think of the tour? You're good with tour going forward? Uh, you know, I got some thoughts. I feel like that's the owner getting involved, to be quite honest with you. It's a very strange timing. You know, for, for, for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and not that Ryan Fitzpatrick's anything great in the season, I said, the Dolphins' season doesn't begin until Tua gets in there. But the guy goes out there, wins two games by a combined 50 points, and all of a sudden that's the time where you're saying, all right, let's get Tua in there. I did think it was kind of strange, and it feels like, you know, with all the praise of Justin Herbert and all the praise for Joe Burrow, it, it feels like the owner's saying, hey, I want my new toy in there as well. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see, but I, you got a good coach in Flores, which leads me to my team. You know, you, you, you know, I almost tend to agree with you. You don't want to mess things up. If, I mean, if you're going to be historically bad, you might as well make sure you finish it off. So there's a prize at the end of the at the end of the you know the light at the end of the tunnel here. Um, you know, I hate being like that, but I, I think. I do think you're going to get a couple of competitive games down the road. I think tomorrow they're actually. I think they're going to play a competitive game. I think Dottle may, you know, play pretty decent. Of course, they're not going to win, but you know, going after that, pretty much you got another Chargers. another game with the Dolphins. You're going to have right. two Dolphins and Chargers. And they, that's it. Yeah, and, and, that's and look, it. they could that's they it. could still lose to the Dolphins. I mean, if the if they have Sam in there, I mean, the Dolphins are not some great team. So uh, you know, any given Sunday. It's unfortunately, but with the, the Jets thing, and the Giants, it's every single Sunday they lose. Yeah, the, the thing that I'm looking at, I'm, I'm hoping maybe Mims, I know he had a limited amount of practice time. I just would like to show, see a little flashes tomorrow if this kid has any potential. And that's pretty much, you know, between him and I don't know if they're going to get P. Ryan involved again. Uh, you know, how much, I mean, how much do you really look, look at? I mean, most of this team is going to be gone. That's why they're all on one-year deals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's a brutal situation. Ira, I feel for you. And thanks for the call. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I just don't look, they might win a game. I, I just don't, I look at all the other teams and we do uh, during the week, Monday through Friday. Um, we do what we, uh, instead of power rankings, we do poop rankings. Uh, we look at the worst uh, of the NFL and at least so far, 
as bad, we've had other teams in there, right? We do the bottom five. And this past week, I think it was the entire NFC East and the Jets. But at some point, it's like the Jets are the lock. We know it's like Casey Kasem counting down the top 40 where it's the number one for the, the, the sixth straight week. It, the number one in terms of bad football has been the New York Jets. And it's kind of hard to envision a scenario where they first have to get to be competitive in games. Forget about winning a game. Can they at least be competitive in a game? Again, all but one game this year, the opponent scored more points in the first half than the Jets scored in the entire game. That's so bad. So bad. 